independence today, independence on your sheer grace, your overwhelming goodness to, to bring us to that place where we can say, yes, Jesus, you are the center of my marriage, the center of my health, the center of my finances. You are the center, Jesus. I thank you today that you work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. So, Father, I thank you that we can come to your word this morning with grace, with a restfulness of heart, knowing that you, if there's anything deficient, you work in us to change it, to transform us. So we open up our hearts today, knowing that you're a good, good Father, and that you're a work in our midst. In Jesus' name, we say thank you. Amen. Let's give the Father, let's give Jesus a big shout of thanks. Amen. Well, thank you, singers, musicians, and look at, just give a high five to your neighbor the next to you, you can stay seated, that's fine, and tell them that they are looking better than last week if you're sitting next to your spouse tell them they are looking mighty fine you're in brownie points so you know us men we need to be reminded i need i tell you if only i could have a little reminder every morning myself we just need a reminder right so so it's uh it's it's good good to see each of you here today as, as all are being seated i can't wait you know this afternoon we've got our encounter service and we'll be talking about a topic prepared by pressure and i think there's a word there is a word from god for for each of our lives, and so if you can say this through the food festival and for this afternoon service, uh, it'll be worth your while. Next Sunday, next Sunday beyond the kids choir is going to be. I'm really excited about it. I, uh, um, anyhow, uh, let me, let's just say, let's just leave it at that. Um, this morning we're talking about sheer grace as we wait. Sheer grace as we wait. And how many know in life we do a lot of waiting, don't we? Uh, I called a church member recently, one of you, and. And they couldn't talk, you couldn't talk to me, this individual I called, couldn't talk to me because they were on hold waiting for Rogers. Uh, that's a frustrating thing, they couldn't talk to me. They were waiting for Rogers, and they had been on hold for now. We do a lot of waiting. We wait in traffic, we wait in lines. I'm not here today to give you hope waiting on, Ro on Rogers. Maybe that's beyond hope. But I am here today to talk about another kind of wait, and that's the wait when we are waiting on the, to see the promise of God to come to fulfillment in our lives, or when we're waiting for that prophetic word to come into reality, or we're, we're waiting on that dream to come to pass in our lives. And, and I believe, and we're going to see it from the scriptures, that God has grace for our waiting seasons. He has grace that teaches us how to wait with joy and expectancy. How many know the wait can be kind of miserable at times, but there is grace for the wait, and if, we, if we're receptive to that grace, we can live with, with expectancy, live with joy even in the wait. And on the other side, if we, if we don't allow his grace to teach us, we can live very frustrated, live a very frustrated life. And the book of Proverbs says that hope deferred, it makes the heart sick. And so God wants us to learn how to wait. Now, the book of James, the book of James is our key text today. James teaches us how to wait effectively, how to, what to do in the waiting seasons of life. So we look at James chapter 5 and verse 7 where James says, therefore be patient. We love that word. Right, we don't love that word, but anyhow, it, you know, he says be patient. Be patient, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. James says there, there's going to be a waiting. So what do we do in the waiting? And James refers us to a farmer, an agricultural farmer. And he says, look at the farmer. Look how the farmer waits for his harvest. And in there, you will learn how to wait with expectancy, wait with joy, wait with peace in your heart. Now, if you think about a farmer for a moment, a farmer only enjoy, 
always harvest about 25% of the year, don't they? And the rest of the year, there's no harvest. At winter, everything is barren and dead. In the fall, everything's dying. In the spring, everything's just messy. There's no harvest. And so James here is saying, you know, the harvest speaks of the promises, the blessings of God in our lives. He's saying, when you're waiting, think of a farmer. Learn to wait like a farmer. And, and a farmer, we understand in the natural, a farmer doesn't always live in the harvest time. There's times when everything is dead, times when everything is dying, times when everything is, is messy. And it speaks to seasons of our lives, and maybe you can relate to one of those seasons. So how does a farmer patiently wait on the, on the harvest? Well, number one, a farmer has an unwavering trust in the seed that he or she plants. When a farmer plants a seed in the ground, they expect the seed to germinate. Why? Because seeds germinate. It's what they do. If you plant a corn seed, it will produce corn. It's not going to produce grain. You don't have to lay at night worrying. It will produce. Seeds always produce. They germinate. Now, I get it. There's soil conditions, lack of rain and all that. I'm talking of the seed, and the seed always germinates. The scriptures say as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. God has put this as a spiritual principle. And the seed always germinates. They found seeds that are hundreds of years old, sitting on a shelf somewhere, and they planted them, and they germinated. Seeds always germinate. And so, a farmer can have confidence even in the winter seasons. The farmer can be, live with expectation even when, in fall when everything's dying because he or she has faith in the seed. Now, in our case, what's our seed? How can we have confidence in, in the seed? Well, our seed is none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is our seed. Whatever the promise of God is for our lives, it is encapsulated in Christ Jesus. He is your seed of blessing. He is your seed of healing. He is your seed of restoration, your seed of blessing, prosperity. Jesus is our seed. The book of Galatians says it this way in, in verse 16 of chapter 3. It says the promises. What is the promises? It's the promises of God for your life. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture doesn't say to seeds, plural, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one who is Christ Jesus. Jesus is our seed. And like a farmer who has confidence, who can live with expectation, even in the winter seasons, because he or she has confidence in the seed that it will produce after its own kind, you and I can have faith. We can have expectation even when we don't see it. Because of confidence in our seed, Christ Jesus. Is your seed going to germinate? Is your seed of health going to germinate? Is your seed of blessing going to germinate? The seed always germinates. And confidence in the winter seasons, when we are waiting, not seeing, it starts with faith in the seed. Confidence in the seed, Christ Jesus. That's why the book of Hebrews says, don't cast away your confidence. Confidence in what? Christ Jesus. We need confidence in him, not in your abilities, not in your circumstances. Confidence in him that he will overcome, that he will produce what he has promised. In other words, when we don't see it, the scriptures are saying, have confidence in the seed. Will the seed germinate? Yes. When doubt comes, what do we do? We look to the seed. Now there's ditches when we're waiting. How many know there's ditches to everything? Every good truth, there's always ditches. And 
when we're waiting, one ditch is just to say, well, you know what? I'm giving up on the promise. You know, I, I'm just, I'm just going to give up on it. That's a ditch. That's not waiting. That's not restful. That's just give, called giving up. And waiting on the Lord isn't giving up on the promise. That's not waiting. But on the other hand, there's another kind of, there's another ditch to true waiting on the Lord. And that's saying, well, if it's going to be, it's going to be up to me. I'm going to make this happen. But how many know that's just called self-effort? Self-effort is, it, it always results in defeat too. So we have to be careful in the wait. How do we respond? Am I, am I just going to give up? No, don't give up when you don't see it. But on the other hand, don't, you know, don't be so impatient or drive yourself crazy trying to make it happen. Real victory comes when, I, when it's winter and I don't see the harvest, but I remain at peace. That's why, that's, that's victory. Why? Because I have confidence in the seed. How many know seeds even in the natural have a lot of power? I have a picture of a seed that split a great rock. Go ahead and put up that picture. This is, this is a great rock that was split apart by the seed of a tree. And if you don't think that a seed of or a tree can split apart a rock like that, don't you think the seed Christ Jesus can split apart your sickness, your poverty, your lack, your debt, your anxiety, your worries, the seed of hope, the seed of restoration. He can split apart whatever circumstance that you find yourself in. That's why it starts with confidence in the seed Christ Jesus. That's why here at Celebration Church we continually bring our attention back to Christ because everything starts with confidence in the seed. Look at your neighbor and say, be confident in the seed. Number one, a farmer has confidence in his seed. This is how we learn to wait on the harvest. Number two, a farmer never stops thinking about the harvest. A farmer, now think about it. In the winter, when everything's dead, the farmer's out in the field fixing irrigation lines, freezing his or her fingers off, freezing to death out there, getting things ready for harvest time. Why? Not because he sees anything in the natural, because in the winter everything's dead. But he's out there working hard because he sees harvest. And James is teaching us here there's going to be times in our lives when we don't see the promise yet. But he's saying, keep the harvest on your mind. Keep thinking of the harvest, meditating on the, on the harvest. In spring, when the farmer is up to, his, up to his knees in manure, it stinks. And how many know we have sometimes have stinky situations in our lives, right? Only three of us do, but the rest, of, I, I have sometimes some stinky situations in my, my life. And how many know the farmer, he's out there in the stinky situations. And what gives him the confidence to, 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 to patiently endure the stinky manure, even when he doesn't see any harvest yet? thinking of the harvest. He sees the grain coming up out of the ground. He sees the corn coming into fruition. He sees it. And there's going to be times in our lives when we're, it's, we're surrounded by stink. And God's saying, keep your mind on the, on the harvest because you're going to be tempted to, to be discouraged. And Galatians chapter 6 was given to us for this very reason to encourage us. He says, Paul says, don't become weary in doing good. This verse wouldn't be there unless the temptation would come. And so we understand that it might come. But he says, don't, in, in that, don't become weary in doing good. In other words, keeping your mind on harvest, even when, even when it's dark outside, even when it's wintertime. Keep, 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 how, why? For a proper time, we'll reap a harvest. Keep your mind on the harvest. Keep your mind on the harvest. If you don't give 
give up? How do we do that? We do that by listening to the Word. We, we go to small groups. We go to Bible study. We, 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 you're doing that this morning. We're encouraging ourselves to keep our, our eyes on the harvest. We, we live like David. David, in Psalm 27, he was being chased by, by King Saul. God had given him a promise of being king, and yet here he was in the wilderness. That's called winter. And maybe you feel like Saul. You were given a promise, but you're in the winter. You're in the wilderness. And here's David. And yet, you know, in the midst of all of that, he, he reminds himself of harvest. He says in verse 13, he said, I would have despaired. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He wasn't in the land of the living at that time. He was in the wilderness, but he said, I kept my mind on God's goodness and his grace. I kept focusing on his love. And that's why it's so important, number one, confidence in the seed. Because when we see the seed, we, uh, we feel the love. We experience his love. This is the right way of waiting. Number one, confidence in the seed. Number two, keep your mind on the harvest. Number three, how do we wait like a farmer? The farmer makes preparation for harvest before he sees or she sees any growth. Makes preparation for harvest before seeing any growth. In other words, before one plant, before even a blade comes out of the ground, the farmer is out maintaining his tractors. He's out fixing the irrigation line. He's out spreading manure before he sees anything happening in the field. Why? Because he has confidence in the seed. You could say it this way, faith always produces action. But actions do not produce faith. Think about that for a moment. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse and we think if we do a whole lot of actions, it'll produce faith. That's not the way it works. But yes, faith always produces action. Why does the farmer fix his tractor? To get the seed to germinate? No, the farmer fixes his tractor in winter because he has confidence the seed will germinate. In the same way we put actions behind our faith, not to get God's attention or to produce faith, we, we put actions behind our faith because we have confidence in the seed. Big difference. You see, faith can be seen. Acts chapter 14, Paul was preaching. He was a man who had to be healed, and the, the scripture says that as the man listened to what Paul was saying, Paul looked, and he saw that he had faith to be healed. Faith will always be seen. There was a man who had heard about Jesus healing the sick. He was a paralyzed man, and, 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 and this is the man that, moved, that, that went up on a rooftop, ripped the roof off, and came down. And when he came down, the scriptures say, Jesus saw their faith. So faith can be seen. That's what Isaiah chapter 40 is referring to. And when it says those who wait for the Lord, those who expect, look for, hope in Him, they'll gain new strength, be renewed in their power, they'll lift up with their wings, they'll rise up like eagles, they'll run and not grow weary, they'll walk and they will not grow tired. This waiting doesn't speak of inactivity. This waiting speaks of a confident expectation, a, a moving forward with expectancy that I may not see it right now. It may look like winter all around. It may be like springtime, messy, stinky. But I'm waiting with confident expectation because I know the seed will produce. There's nothing inactive about the waiting. It's, it's like a child is waiting for their parents to come home at the end of the day. How does a child or a friend to come over? How does a child wait? They wait by the door. They wait by the window. They wait by the phone. They're like, oh, are they here yet? Are they here yet? Are they here yet? Right? That's a confident, that's how, that's what the Lord is, that's what the scripture is referring to when it says wait. Because they wait, they wait. Now the waiting doesn't produce the action, does it? 
The waiting doesn't move God. The friend is already on the way. It's just the excitement knowing the power of the seed. Amen? Or it's like, it's like in football. How many enjoys football? Soccer. That's soccer kind. But football. It's like in football when, when someone p- kicks the ball to pass it to somebody else. You know, when the ball is being passed, the other, the other player that's receiving the ball, they position themselves to receive the ball, don't they? They, put, they, might, they might move a little this way or move a little that way, right? Now, does, does their movement get the, get the other player to pass the ball? No. The other player's already passed the ball. And it's in the same way when the scriptures talk about putting actions behind our faith. It's not to move God or to get his blessings to come. The scriptures say every promise of God is yes in Christ. In other words, the proverbial ball has been passed. All we do is with expectancy in faith in the seed that the seed will produce. We just, we just, we just get ready for it. We wait with expectancy. I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for the promise. Even though I don't see it, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm expecting it. That's what it means to wait upon the, the Lord, to wait with expectancy. Doesn't that sound like a whole lot more fun than waiting with, a, with, with grumbling and complaining and bitterness? But you say, but Nathan... All this talk of patience, maturity, living with expectancy, it sounds like work, and yet your message is sheer grace as we wait. I, this sounds like work being patient. This sounds like, well, recognize this. Recognize this. How does God's grace operate in our lives? Does, under God's grace, does he ever ask anything of us? Does he ever give us instructions under grace? Does he ever ask us to come hard to form character? Well, let me pose it this way. As a parent, do you ever ask anything of your kids? Why? Because you dislike them? Do you want your child to mature because you hate them so much? You're just looking... One of you, yes, but no. <laughs> I saw that. But, but, but are you looking to trip them up like a, like a, like a judge with a trigger-happy finger over and your your child is over the trap door are you just looking to trip no you give them instructions because you love them if you didn't give them any instructions what kind of parent would you be right in the same way god asks things of us under grace but watch this whenever god asks anything of us under grace he always gives us the ability or the strength he supplies it the ability before making the request big big difference for example, John chapter 14, Jesus tells us, don't let your heart be troubled. That's a pretty big request. How many can say over the last week, you've never let your heart be troubled? Don't even put up your hand, right? It's a big request, and yet God asks this of us. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Oh, that's such a burden. I can't live up to his expectations. That's not the attitude that he wants us to have. Why? Because I didn't read the whole verse. Let's read the whole verse. He says, first, before he gives us the instruction, what does he say? He says, put up the whole verse. There we go. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do, therefore, don't let, and, and I end, I don't give as the world gives. Therefore, don't let your hearts be troubled. In other words, he says, yes, there's an instruction. I want you to be mature. Don't let your heart be troubled. That's maturing. That's character. But before he makes any request, he supplies the ability. Jesus says, I give you my peace. Yes, God asks things of us under grace, but never before giving us the grace and the ability to do it. And if we don't receive his grace properly and fail, he still doesn't condemn us and beat us up, but he still has grace available to us if we will but receive. So if God is asking us of something of us today, rejoice, because it means that his grace has already been supplied, and he never supplies in the deficiency, he oversupplies. Amen? 
How many are feeling like receiving grace in an area of your life today? I know I do, because when his grace comes in, whatever it is becomes easy. So, let's go back to the lesson today. When God gives an instruction, we must know the right way to respond. So God gives us the instruction today. Wait with expectancy. Put actions behind your faith. You say, so, so we look at our lives and, I, and we say, well, I don't know if I'd line up in that area. I don't know if I've done that. So, so what, how do we respond? By grace. Well, number one, there's, remember, there's ditches. And one ditch is, oh, God gave me this, this, God's asked this of me and I failed. And then we start beating ourselves up. Going into guilt and shame and condemnation. That's a ditch. That's not God. That's not God's way. There's no condemnation in Christ. Don't go in that. Look at your neighbor and say, don't go in that ditch. Everybody else look at your other neighbor and say, don't go in that ditch. But there's another ditch. And the other ditch is, if it's going to be, it's going to be up to me. We try to make it happen in our own strength. I see a deficiency, so I'm going to change it. What's the right way to, to change? If I see something in my life that's not lining up, the right way is by receiving more grace. 1 Peter 3 says, grow in grace. How? In the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, the more we know Him, the more we experience His love for ourselves. So if I see a deficiency, I go back to the seed, Christ Jesus. He is love. God is love. And when I understand who Jesus is, not just with a head knowledge, but with an experiential heart knowledge of His love, what happens in my life? Faith is birthed. Because faith works by love. Faith operates by love. God's love birthed in our hearts. And when I experience that love in my heart and mind, faith, faith to wait with expectancy, faith to wait when I don't see anything, is birthed. In other words, I don't produce the faith. The faith comes from knowing the love of Christ for me. And we experience that by looking to Him. Looking to him in the pages of the gospel. Looking to him on the cross and saying, Holy Spirit, come shed abroad this love in my heart so that whatever area I see deficiency, grace would superabound. See, that's if we see a deficiency, we never beat ourselves up and we also don't try to make it happen. We go back to grace and receive more grace. And so if we look at an area in our life where we say I'm not, it's not strong enough, we simply recognize that I've not yet received enough grace in that area. And so we say, God, I recognize you're a God of love and grace, so help me, Holy Spirit, to experience more love and more grace in that area. That's it. That's it. Because when we understand that, victory comes. Amen? So when it comes to faith, we say, well, I, there's no action behind my faith. What do I do? Remember, two ditches. Don't go to the ditch. Well, God's angry with me because I don't have any action behind my faith. Don't go there. But also, don't try to make it happen. You know, people get in a lot of trouble trying to make faith happen in their lives. For example, let me give an example. They might see somebody that, that they were believing for healing, and God spoke to them to go off their medication. And so this other person sees that, that God spoke to them in that way, and then they, they went off their medication, and they were healed. And so they see that action, and then, but instead of allowing faith to be birthed in their heart by love, they just copy the action, and they end up dying because God didn't speak it to them. I mean, no, God's will is healing, but the methodology of getting there isn't always the same. When God brought Israel out of Egypt, they came to the Red Sea. What did God say? Stretch forth your rod, Moses. And the Red Sea parted, right? No feet got wet. Then a little bit later on, they came to another body of water called the Jordan River. You would think that it would be the exact same way. Stretch out the rod. The waters part. Didn't happen that way. This time they had to get their feet wet. 
priests had to put their foot in the water. And when they put their foot in the water, according to, in response to God's word, the waters part, right? So when we try to copy someone else's actions, we get in a whole lot of trouble. God spoke to somebody to quit their job, and he provided for them in, in a surplus. But this is someone else copies that action and end up in bankruptcy. You see, we get in a lot of trouble trying to copy. Allow faith to be birthed naturally through an experience with his love. Amen? But the scriptures are clear. When faith is birthed by love, there is a corresponding action. And so if we don't see it, we go back to love. We go back to the source. And this is why Paul prayed. So for the church in Ephesians, he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be open to know the height, the width, and the depth of his love. He didn't say, I pray that you'd all be healed. That was God's will, and it is God's will. He didn't say, I pray that you all prosper financially. That's God's, we understand God's will. But he understood that when faith is birthed by love in a human being's heart, all things are possible. And we get in a lot of trouble trying to copy what God did even in our own lives in the past. The source of faith is always coming back to his love. Amen? The farmer prepares for harvest even when there's nothing to be seen. You say, well, Nathan, I, I see winter in my life, but I don't have the faith to prepare. I don't have the faith to put actions behind my faith. It's too discouraging. Well, I'm not here to beat you up and condemn you. I'm here to simply say, talk to the Lord and ask his love to penetrate your heart. That's it. That's it. You know, for example, when Megan and I were believing to have a baby for, for, for well, we'd been married 13 years before Leo came, I can't say that every day I was waiting with expectancy. Ah, I'm so excited. There were discouraging days. Absolutely. And I can't say that without, without fail that I was just, you know, the, the, the Isaiah 40 waiting with expectancy. I mean, I had some discouraging days, you know. But thank God for this church where it kept drawing my attention back to Christ. Not my ability to produce it. I never felt condemnation because of the strong message preached here. But at the same time, I recognize I still got to keep expecting and believing. So I come back to love every single time. Amen? Two years ago, 18 months ago, Leo was born. Amen? And now, I'll let you in on a little secret. Can you handle a little secret? Now we can't even turn the taps off. Megan's pregnant again. So, so we, uh, but, 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 but. It's exciting. Well, a little scary, actually. But anyhow, I need counseling afterwards. But uh, very unexpected. But my point is, is that I can't say I lived with perfect expectation. Every, this is not a message of guilt and condemnation. At the same time, though, God does ask things of us for our own well-being, right? You can't get your mind off of what a little announcement there. But anyhow, yes, a little baby. By the way, it's a baby girl, too. Baby girl. So, uh, So we're excited. We're excited. So thank you for your prayer. Actually, Carrie was praying that we'd have one. And I was saying to her, no, no, just take it easy. Not this quickly, you know. So, but when, when good things happen, they just keep coming. So anyhow, anyhow, it was a long wait. So I could, when I talk about waiting, I, I, I have some experience, but I also don't want condemnation. You know, sometimes when we're laying and we don't see anything at night and it's winter, we can so easily slip into fear, can't we? Fear grips our heart. And... and, and but again, what's the antidote to fear? Dr. Betty, you got to get a hold of yourself here. She's just giddy laughing up here. I am coming to my conclusion of my message. We have to, I have to preach here. What, what's, you know, faith is birth. Thank you. Oh, God. So, faith is birthed by love. 
experiencing love, but also perfect love casts out fear. I mean, his love is the perfect remedy. I had to put it into practice this week. There was something I was worried about. I woke up at night because Leo was crying. That's why I wonder, should I have a second child when you're up and for two hours at night when the baby's screaming? But anyhow, but I was up and, and you know, when you're up at night, sometimes your mind starts operating, right? You start going into fear. I've had to put this into practice. I had to come back to recognize, oh, I'm united into the fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and His love is all over me right now. You know, I didn't focus on the problem. I still don't know the solution to the problem that I was thinking about this this week when I was laying awake trying to get Leo to sleep, and your mind goes crazy because of the silence all around you. But what, but but I folks, when you come back in to experience His love, you may not have all the answers. I still don't have all the answers, but there's a joy. There's a joy unspeakable. There's a peace that passes all understanding that just comes bursting. It comes bubbling up in the quiet moments of your experience, and you know what? That's what gives the faith to live with confident expectation, to wait with expectancy. You know, I thought of making the message today, wait with expectancy. And I could preach, you know, you can preach a pretty good message. You've got to live with expectation and you've got to have everything right and live with, and there's a lot of good sermons like that, motivational teachings, and yet I recognize, and that's why I love this church, because we have to go to the core and that expectation comes from an experience with the Father's love. And you don't have to be here on a Sunday to experience that. You can experience that at the dead of night, the dead of winter, the slop of the manure. You can experience His love. It's as quick, as easy as saying, Help me, Holy Spirit. Romans 5 says that the love of the Father has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit's been given. The first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the book of Romans was to highlight the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To shed love abroad in our hearts. Amen? Final point. It's a quick one. Number four, because it's the best one. It doesn't take much explaining. The farmer enjoys a unique reward and harvest. And James, in his teaching, he directs us to look at a farmer. And then in the next verse, he, he, he directs us to an example of patiently waiting. Go ahead and put it up from James chapter 5. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering. In other words, you might face some suffering sometimes. But you have heard of Job's perseverance. And you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. So James is directing our attention to what the Lord did in Job's life. And history, historians have showed that Job, for about nine months, he suffered a great deal of loss. He went through winter, he went through fall, he, a lot of loss. He lost his family, he lost health, he lost, he lost a lot for nine months. But on the other side of that nine months, God gave him double everything that he lost. You see, God is saying, yes, have confidence in the seed. And yes, prepare even when you don't see anything. And yes, keep thinking of harvest. Why? Because God's got double on the other side of that loss. Double harvest. And maybe you're here today and you've, you've experienced loss. You say, I'm in that winter season. I'm, I'm encouraging you, not just to wait with expectancy. I can, anybody can say that. You don't, have to be, even have a, you don't even have to be a knowledge of Christ Jesus. I'm saying come back to Christ. Come back to the seed. Come back to his love. His love will birth faith for whatever it is that you're believing for in your life. Abraham waited 25 years. I'm not saying how long, you know, but, but we keep coming back to the promise in the midst of that. His love. His love. His love. Child's gone astray. We keep coming back to his love. Only his love will transform your child anyhow. Right? My business has got, I've been set back in my business. I don't know the answer. Let his love birth faith in your heart. You see, when faith is birthed in his heart, creativity abounds, strength abounds. It starts with love. Amen? And if you really think about what transformed your life, the book of Revelation talks about, it keeps reminding us, keep come back to your first love. 
Come back to your first love. Come back to your first love. Why? Think about when you first met Christ. Think about what transformed your life. I know it's true in my life. What transformed me was a sense of his love. I grew up in a church. I wanted nothing to do with it. But the moment I experienced his presence in a tangible, real way, there wasn't enough I could do for the Lord. I mean, I couldn't read the scriptures enough. But all the lecturing in the world couldn't get me there. And I am on the same persuasion that all the lecturing in the world can't get you and I to live with expectancy when we don't see anything. But love will. Love will. That's why the message here, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved, is so, so strongly preached. We've got to keep preaching it. Amen, Celebration Church? So I have hope today. You think of Job. Think of the example of Job. Whatever it is that you love, God says, I want you to set your expectations on double. You say, no, that's kind of far out there, Nathan. Yeah, we serve a kind of far out God. You say, I've suffered loss in my body, but I have a hard time even believing that I'll come back as strong as I was before. God is saying, believe you're going to come out stronger than when you went into that sickness. I'm suffering a financial loss, and I can't even figure out how I'll get out of the loss. God's saying, come out, believe that you're going to come out stronger with double than when you went in. Amen? If you believe that today, give Jesus a big shout of thanks. Amen. Amen. Can we all stand together? I'm cognizant of the time. We still have two minutes, and I understand it's food festival today, but let's everybody stand together right now. Singers, musicians, come on. Or maybe just the musicians, come on up here just for a moment's time. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Maybe you're here today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No moving around, please. Just, just two minutes. That's it. That's all I ask. Maybe you're here today and you say, I've never experienced his love. This love that you talk, this transforming love that is more than a head knowledge, it's an experience. I I have never experienced that. Well, here's the good news today. The good news is it's available. The message of the gospel is not about your love for God. Maybe that's all you've ever heard. You've got to love God. You've got to do more for God. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is though God's unending, unswerving, unfailing love for you. Sometimes we have a hard time accepting that in our minds because we have an enemy who's planted a seed in our minds that we are unlovable, unloved by God. But I believe this morning, if you've heard these words, it's not a mistake that you are here. But there's a, you, you sense a, a, a tapping, a tugging at your heart. That's the love of God saying, can I come in? Can I help you to experience unconditional love? Maybe you know, maybe you've never experienced unconditional love by anybody in the natural. God is unconditional love for you. And it's that love and that love alone that transforms, that, that helps us to overcome. And the scriptures say, in a moment's time, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to be included when I pray. But the scriptures say that if we'll simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God's own Son, believe that He came to reveal the Father's love, believe that He took our sins on the cross to to help us know how loved we are. And he rose again from the dead and he's seated at the right hand of the Father today so that we can be included in the the love of the Father. That's a mouthful, but I want to draw you simply to say, would would you open up your heart and mind to say, yes, I want to experience that love today. You don't know where that love will take you. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed all across this room, in a moment I'm going to ask you just to raise your hands and let me know 
that you want to be included when I pray, to say, yes, Jesus, include me in your love. Help me to experience that love, not just a head knowledge. You know, people have gone to church their whole lives and yet have never experienced his, 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 his unconditional love. I'm ex- inviting you. Maybe you say, I've, I once knew the Lord, but I've drifted away, but I'm here today, and I want to receive. If you're any of those people, say, yes, I want to be included right now. Would you just raise your hand? Just heads bowed and eyes closed. So that you, I know that I'm praying with you. Just lift up your hands all across this room. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Celebration Church, keep praying. This is the most beautiful. Thank you, sir, for that hand. Hands are still going up. Father, I thank you. The scriptures say, thank you for that hand. That all of heaven rejoices when even one person says yes. You can take your hands down. Let's everybody pray with those who have lifted their hands. Say, dear Lord Jesus, Father, I acknowledge I need you. I can't do life in my own strength. I need your grace. I need your love. Help me to experience your love. I confess, Jesus, you came. You took my place of sin on the cross. You rose again. You're alive today. Father, help me to experience your love. Help me to live by grace. In Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you believe that, give Jesus a big, big, big shout of thanks. Come on. The scriptures say all of heaven is rejoicing over your decision. I want to invite you to go to our welcome center right now if you prayed with me and get a salvation book. It's a book that we've prepared to explain what you've decided to do today. But more importantly, I invite you to keep coming out here to the Celebration Church. I ask you, give us a year of your life. Keep coming out and hearing these messages as transformation happens as you keep hearing this goodness and grace. Our healing room team is going to be here at the front at the end of the service. And I understand people are running. By the way, the food line starts over there. So at that door, just in case people are running.